Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and Me on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. What are markets talking about this Thursday morning that you, the investor, should take note of? I check in now with Arun Pai, Chief Crystals Officer from Crystal AI. Good morning, Arun. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Michelle. Thank you once again for having me. So let's start with big piece of news. It broke yesterday. The World Economic Forum has ranked Singapore as the world's most competitive economy. The report said the territory ranks first on four pillars, macroeconomic, stability, health, the financial system and product market. In fact, it ranked highest compared to any other economy. Arun, what do you think Singapore's financial system can do to retain this lead? And since you're in this sphere, do you think technology and digital innovation is a big part of the equation? Absolutely. You know, it's quite amazing considering the history of a country that basically got created when it was pushed out of Malaysia. It had no natural resources, no water, limited labor, uh, domestic market, limited land. And yet, just a number of decades later, it's uh, managed to come first. Truly unbelievable uh, story. Uh, And this was on the backdrop of last year, it actually came second. So while obviously, you know, the rank of number one is extremely important, it's also important to know that this is not something that happened overnight. I think uh, Warren Buffett said it quite interestingly when he said something like, someone is sitting in the shade today because a tree was planted a long time ago. Mm. And literally, in the case of Singapore, like forests were planted many decades back. And that is why we are in this extremely competitive uh, position worldwide. Coming more specifically to the financial system, I think the Monetary Authority of Singapore, the regulator, has done a fantastic job of trying to cultivate innovativeness, cause disruption from within, rather than being disrupted by external sources or agents. This concept called a sandbox license was one of the world's first uh, ideas by a regulator to facilitate innovative fintech startups to uh, basically apply their trade in a highly regulated atmosphere. And on the back of that, a whole host of other countries, including much larger economies like the UK and Australia, have followed suit. So, uh, you know, MAS Singapore is definitely doing something very, very right. And uh, that's leading us to the position that we're in right now. Arun, if we switch gears and look at the U.S.-China trade talks for a moment, markets also a buzz about that. U.S. and China set to return to the negotiating table tonight. Yesterday saw a big sell-off amid escalating tensions. An SCMP report hinting at an early abrupt end to talks with the Chinese delegation possibly leaving early. Are investors on edge and what's in store for markets as you see it? Yeah, completely. It's been such a choppy market, right? You saw the major U.S. indices uh, down quite a bit at the beginning of the week on Monday and Tuesday. And then yesterday, we actually saw a relief rally where news started leaking that a partial deal is possible. And then just like you mentioned, uh, the futures market were down 300 points for the Dow Jones at one point. Luckily, it stabilized down 100 when uh, news got released that the vice premier was only going to be there for one day. You know, sadly, it's literally anyone's guess at this point. This 
uh, yo-yoing of uh, news one way or the other in terms of a trade talk actually materializing into a proper deal versus not has been going on for many, many months now. Uh, NBA got thrown into the mix uh, last week where uh, an executive of uh, one of the teams called Houston Rockets, he came out with just a tweet saying, you know, supporting the anti-government protest. And that cascaded into a whole host of issues where China was basically black labeling the whole of NBA. U.S. senators came out saying, how are you trying to uh, restrict our freedom of speech? That's not the American way. Uh, visa restrictions were getting uh, placed on each other's government officials. It's basically a complete mess right now, and there really is no clarity as to what can happen. Uh, really hoping, though, from a worldwide economic stability point of view, if uh, today and tomorrow at least some kind of a miniature deal can take place that at least leads the markets uh, and not just the markets for that matter, but the real underlying economies and businesses to feel that there is a little bit more stability and they can actually start making these larger capital investments. Otherwise, uh, you know, it's going to be an extremely uh, rocky market uh, for the next couple of months or the foreseeable future at least. Mm. Well, on to another perennial question. What will the Fed do? Uh, the Federal Reserve's Powell has said U.S. expansion is sustainable. He sees cooler U.S. hiring, has hinted at uh, possible rate cuts or favorable steps to address money market volatility coming soon, he says. So if we look at the Fed, it seems a little unsure of its next steps. Should we be concerned? You know, like, I think the Fed is basically stuck between a rock and a really hard place. Sadly, the Fed is also being subjected to uh, tweets from a number of people and this continuous back and forth of, uh, you know, a trade talk potentially happening, a deal not happening, a partial deal, a complete deal. The outlook is extremely murky. And you can see that in the actions of what the Fed has been doing. Uh, they were tightening interest rates a while back, mm. and they've already, you know, uh, loosened it twice already. And potentially, like the market uh, probability is now showing, I think it's like over 85% right now for another rate cut just at the end of this month. And so when you're basically stuck where the market is kind of really wanting the Kool-Aid of continuous rate cuts, and there's extreme pressure on the Fed where you have literally Trump tweeting, is the Federal Reserve a bigger enemy to the American consumer than China? Uh, it, it becomes a very, very tough position to be in. I do not want to be in that person's shoes for sure. Mm. So you have this issue of uh, interest rate volatility, uh, you know, should they cut, should they not? And then, uh, you know, last month, there was this uh, kind of a weird new news that caused a lot of repercussions in the financial markets. Luckily, it didn't extend over to the real market, where this thing called the overnight repurchase agreement mm -hmm. or repo, mm -hmm. which is basically this interest rate that banks and financial institutions charge each other uh, for lending money on an overnight basis, that spiked to close to 10%. 
the last time, not to, you know, put fear into anyone's heads, but mm. the last time this something like this occurred was back during the global financial crisis. And all sorts of uh, theories uh, came into place where, you know, is this because of an extenuating circumstance of the quarter ending and hence there was a lot of tax payment by corporates that was required that drained the system of cash. Mm. One potential example was, uh, you know, J.P. Morgan, one of the largest bank in the U.S., they had some balance sheet uh, issues in transferring of money to one place to the other. That basically led the Fed to now uh, expand their balance sheet. Uh, but even though uh, Powell has clearly said this is not quantitative easing, but at the same time, he's sitting and expanding the balance sheet again. Just to take a step back, uh, the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve was $870 billion in 2007 before the crisis. Because of the crisis, it, it had to expand its balance sheet all the way to $4.5 trillion in early 2015. Then, because there was too much credit, there was too much money sloshing around in the ecosystem, uh, they reduced that balance sheet down to 3.75. But then, uh, because of this interest rate spike uh, in the overnight repo market, the markets, the balance sheet has gone, is inching back closer to $4 trillion. So there's a lot of yo-yoing going around, not just in the in the interest rate space, but also in the overnight repo space that leads to the balance sheet of the Fed. So yeah, overall, they're stuck in a very uh, difficult place. And uh, it kind of boils down to a large extent to whether a proper trade deal can be finalized or not. Right, right. And finally, before we let you go, Arun, brokerages in the U.S. took quite a hit last week. The intensifying price war over commissions among uh, U.S.'s top stock trading platforms has some winners. It's delivered some $190 million in terms of a boost to investors who are betting against that sector. So short sellers who profit when a stock's drop in price enjoyed gains from bets against Charles Schwab. TD Ameritrade, Interactive Brokers and E-Trade, according to data from S3 Partners. So what is the story behind what was going on with the brokerages last week in the US? And being a value investor, any stocks that you find interesting in the space? Right. So uh, it's interesting because being in the fintech space myself, you can tr- you can truly see, uh, in at least some of them, some innovative companies coming out with interesting product that can yield cost savings to the consumer. Uh, this company called Robin Hood set up shop in uh, the U.S., which basically enables customers to trade stocks and ETFs at basically a zero commission rate. Okay. So you have this company that started up and that led to uh, it acquiring 6 million customers. There's an equivalent in India that's called Zeroda that basically does the exact same thing. I think the incumbents, which were these low-cost brokerages, could see the writing on the wall and they realized that something had to be done about it sooner rather than later before consumers jump ship and go into these fintech startups uh, because of this zero-cost commission trading. So you started by seeing interactive brokers coming out saying, you know what, uh, we're going to slash, it. for one of our product verticals, we're going to slash commissions to zero. And once you have an incumbent that is as large as interactive brokers coming out and saying that, E-Trade, Charles Schwab, you name it, all the others had to follow suit. So it's basically led like a crazy price war that's obviously occurring in this brokerage space that has led pretty much all the incumbents right now to also slash their fees to zero. But now the question is, what's next? And also, uh, taking a step back, how exactly are these companies 
even doing that. And when people started actually reading the annual report of your Robin Hoods and stuff, they started realizing the only way uh, Robin Hood can basically drop the commission to zero is that they have to monetize their user base and their trade or their information or data somehow or the other. So what these companies were doing was taking all of the trading buy and sell signals and selling it to high frequency trading funds for through which those high frequency trading funds can monetize that information and you know trade in and out of stuff with a lot more information that, that, that they know about. So it was kind of interesting where now you have these large companies kind of going down the same path of trying to monetize their data somehow. Uh, what will eventually happen? I am not too sure. Maybe regulators will come in and say, look, this is too much, of, this is giving too much of an advantage to high frequency traders because the end consumer, like individuals such as you and I, we do not actually know what we are giving up by accepting the short term benefit of zero commission trading. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to answer the last part in terms of, you know, being a value investor and seeing a lot of, uh, I am seeing value in one name, which is interactive brokers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the price has gone down by over 20, 25% in the past month, month and a half in the back of this news. But I think interactive brokers is interesting for a couple of reasons. Uh, firstly, I think they've differentiated their product very clearly. They've said, look, if you are a hedge fund or financial institution, come on to our main platform. We will charge you low fee, but we will keep your information a secret. There's this thing called IB Lite, which if you as a consumer want a zero commission trade, by all means, please join on to that. And the second thing that I find that forms a very good competitive mode to interactive brokers is that it is the lowest margin technology provider in this space. So dropping commissions to zero is advantageous to interactive brokers in the long run, where I would imagine a lot of consolidation or even bankruptcies take place then interactive brokers will be the one that's hopefully the last man standing. Arun, thank you as always. Helping us understand what markets are talking about this Thursday morning and news that you investors should take note of. He's Chief Crystal Officer at Crystal AI, Arun Pai. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.